do it now. Don't wait until it's too late. Consider it from the start. Speak to your agency. Make sure that they're considering accessibility from the start. Consider it throughout your whole user journey, your design, your content, your website structure, and don't leave it as an afterthought. This is Darren Smith, and you're listening to Digital Surfing. This week's episode is all about website accessibility, and we've got three guests with us. We've got Malcolm, Mark, and Craig, all from Hubble. Malcolm heading up our design team as our creative director, Mark heading up our development team, and Craig as our lead strategist for websites. So let's get started. Well, we are certainly not going to get full marks for being a diverse group of people, all South African men on this podcast today, all talking about website accessibility, which is about being inclusive on the web. So let's get into our questions. There's quite a bit to cover on this topic and uh, having three guests, it always takes a little bit longer. So um, Mark, I'm going to start off with you. And my first question is, over the recent years, how has standards of website accessibility evolved and changed? And has there any been anything that's kind of really driven legislation or anything that's driven those, those evolutions? Look, I mean, web accessibility has been around for a while, since about the 90s. And there's been a couple of organizations that have sort of banded together and, and made an effort to bring some guidelines into the world. The World Wide Web Consortium, specifically, they've created the Web Accessibility Initiative, and they've published what's called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And that was back in 1999 already. So that's been a while. But over the years, it's really progressed in leaps and bounds and through several versions as well. So the guidelines have evolved quite a bit through different versions. And it's mainly European standardization bodies that have contributed to these changes since about 2014. And then even as recently as October of this year, the WCAG 2.0 became the latest W3C recommendation. So throughout this time, many countries have adopted all sorts of non-discrimination and accessibility laws. And a lot of these laws and legislation drives what goes into these guidelines. So it gets assessed across the board and across different countries as well. And unfortunately, humans with disabilities are still in the minority. And unfortunately, yeah. this means that accessibility is often seen as an afterthought, even if it's considered at all. So while this legislation creates the frameworks for accessibility guidelines and adoption, it's the lawsuits that are the big drivers of change. Some interesting examples, back in 2000, the Sydney Olympic Games website was fined for violating anti-discrimination laws after a blind fan was unable to retrieve Olympic information from the site. Another notable thing that happened was Netflix. So Netflix released Daredevil, which is a show about a blind lawyer specifically, and they released that without text description. Now, the legislation that was at play there really applied more to broadcasters. So Netflix wasn't really at fault there from a legal perspective. But in this case, pressure from fans caused Netflix to comply. And then they reached consensus and added text description. So there's a lot of factors leading to it. Some of them are community-based and others are legislation. But the fact of the matter is people want to be able to access websites just like anyone else. So that's a lot of acronyms that you threw out there. And yeah, it does sound like it's kind of at the moment, or, or maybe it's not so much the case, but, but it seems that people are doing this because of laws. And I suppose the place that we want to get to is 
companies and organizations doing this because they want to do it, because they want to include everybody. So, I mean, there's laws at play, and then there's, I suppose, progressive organizations that are trying to be inclusive. Starting with you, Craig, in terms of the process of creating websites, so you have design, you have development, you have the kind of strategy and marketing part. So obviously you're from a marketing and, and, and strategy part, like how are these laws and the, this movement impacting the process of creating a website? So I think one of the biggest changes that needs to happen in terms of process is incorporating accessibility as early as possible into the process. What we find is as soon as accessibility comes in, either after strategy or after design, even worst case comes in after development, then we end up with a situation where we back to overage in terms of costs, budgets, all of that. Because to retroactively fit accessibility is a big issue. It's, it impacts not necessarily just strategy, but it could change the whole visual effect, look and feel flow of the website. It could change fundamental functioning of modules and features on the website. So incorporating accessibility as early into the process as possible really is needed and is often overlooked as part of pre-sales scoping is the question of, do you need to be accessible and to what level? And I'm. Yeah, maybe pass this back to Mark so he can talk to some of the technical requirements or challenges around specifically from a development point of view. If let's say we're at the point of go live or post go live and the client says, oh, we forgot about accessibility. We now need to enable light mode, dark mode as an example. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. It's definitely something you need to consider from the start. Retroactively changing your website to adapt to accessibility is a much larger task. If you had to consider from a structure perspective, everything that you add to your site behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see on the page contributes to how screen readers, for instance, interpret the content on the page. And if that structure isn't taken into account from the start, retroactively changing that could become a costly exercise. So it's absolutely imperative to consider that from the start, but not only from a technical perspective, from a structure perspective, but also user journeys, the content, the design itself as well. You know, I mentioned the Olympic Games that was fine. They were fined, I think it was 20,000 Australian dollars after the judge determined it would cost about $10,000 to make those changes to the site. So there's definitely a cost implication. And if we were, were to go from a technical perspective and dig back into that structure of the site to make those changes, you could be talking about a lot of changes that could have easily been integrated from the beginning at very little cost, actually. Yeah, certainly and cost does play a part in, into that. And as you say, the judge determined all the way back then that the cost to do this was $10,000. Yet I know so many businesses that think that's the full price to, to design and develop a website, never mind just add accessibility. So both of you have referenced knowing that you need an accessible website early on and planning for that. So that would, I assume, impact the design of the website. So Malcolm, for yourself, when you have this uh, requirement from a design perspective, a UX perspective, what strategies do you apply that might be different to when you don't have a need for accessibility? There's a rigor that we follow with the work that we do or should be following with the work that we do. But I was actually going to build on what Mark was saying there and Craig was alluding to. Getting us involved right up front 
is very important. And design is involved in the strategies that we do from the get-go anyway. But the challenge that a lot of customers don't realize is even when they're doing their branding and design from a CI guide point of view, companies that are designing logos and colors and tints and secondary colors actually aren't keeping accessibility in mind. And we're currently working on a project now where like the secondary colors, we're changing them for web to make sure that the contrast is correct for the user. So it's, it's quite hard to have those conversations with a client where they've just spent however many millions on a logo design, but actually it's not fit for web, which is basically the main consumption of information for, for everyone across the globe. So that's just something I wanted to, to caveat there, but it's also it's not rocket science. We all use the web. We know what it's like when you're trying to unsubscribe from something and you can't. Like that kind of accessibility needs to be built in. So yes, we can look at things that we look at colors from a scoring point of view. And it's also hard to get a total handle on, you know, how you scored from Google and SEO and that with the colors that you're using that. Like we, we need to understand our target, you know, our personas, our target audience, and but always design for best in case across type sizes, font sizes, the color, the contrast. But we basically got a kit and building blocks that we use, and it's a, a checklist of over 40 elements that we need to consider. And we might have to have conversations with our customers about their logo. And but it's not emotional conversations, they strategically you know, derived out of what is correct and what is going to score correct. You know, the contrast in, in main text can't be less than AA, but striving towards AAA. And that might be that we have to have those conversations with the client and actually build on a digital style guide because possibly a print style guide is just not going to work for what we're doing on, on the web. So look, there's many different tick boxes that we need to tick over these 40 questions of consideration. And we walk through that list to make sure that all considerations are implemented. So to have us up front inside that space before we almost briefing in design, we should be looking at all those things, no matter what piece of communication, but what job we're working on, because those are, those are the accessibility standards that we know that we're going to get better rankings, although it's quite hard to quantify that. But we need to have a look at those goals for the website. And it's not about making something pretty. It's actually like, how do we bring all this in and then still bolt on the correct design strategy on top of that? But it should almost come first as the building blocks before we proceed. So we've got yourself, Malcolm, from a design perspective, Mark, from a development perspective. Yeah, either of you could be saying, hey, we need to make this website accessible. But most websites, at least from our point of view, start with strategy. And so it's Craig's job often to convince the client that they need an accessible website. So Craig, are there like kind of strategies that you employ to promote that website accessibility requirements or needs to customers? Yeah, I think there's two core components to this. And the one is probably an overlap between strategy and design. And it's what Mark alluded to a little bit earlier, and that is UX around where does accessibility have big visual impact and how is that going to be resolved? And understanding what that experience needs to be is core to, I suppose, quantifying the level of accessibility that's required. 
But if we take a step back from that, the first thing we, we need to understand, which is one of the core elements of strategy before we can ultimately get the design team involved is what is the customer's journey through the website? Understanding how customers move through web assets, how they interact and engage with them is all going to help us understand or at least get a better understanding of what needs to be included on, on the page from an accessibility point of view. But this is a topic that is quite technical or tricky to have with clients because even though there are regulations and there are laws in place, very, very few clients understand the percentages. So if you were to look at from a strategic point of view, if you were to ask someone, do we need accessibility? 10 out of 10 people will say yes. If you ask them what level of accessibility do you require, 10 out of 10 will say, I have no clue. And that is, that is the challenge that we need to work from, work with from a strategic point of view and crossing over into UX and design is what, how do we quantify accessibility to a standard that meets what requirements? Because each client is different. You're looking at corporate colors, you're looking at brand guides and all of that and a decision to implement strict accessibility policies or guidelines could significantly throw the brand off, which Malcolm will share his passion for. In terms of web projects, if there's suddenly big changes in corporate identity logos to meet certain requirements, it can be a real challenge from a design point. So, Craig, just on that, so when I was talking about these, you know, kind of a little bit over 40 points, that should be standard for any web business. What Craig's alluding to here as well is like really understanding those, the, the persona's journey and actually what needs to be bolted on above. I believe the clients that are coming to a company like Hubble expect that they are getting this checklist for UX and accessibility and compliance and everything as part of that product. And they might not understand that, but it's almost understanding the persona then goes above and beyond the things that are just the standard building blocks for anyone that's using the web that might have a visual impairment or anything like that. That's what that gets rid of. And also from a scoring point of view helps and, and those things, but it's above and beyond that, what is needed from an accessibility point of view. And that's where it's not like we need to have a discussion about 50 different accessibility points. You know, you don't need to have those points. Those are expected and they should be built. We don't need to necessarily have those discussions up front. If we could have the discussion about three accessibility points or two for a certain persona or where that's sitting, it could even like literally be load speeds and viewing on, on mobile and someone's data being used up because the site's too then we know how to scale those images, et cetera. So that's where we understand exactly what accessibility that user needs. And we, we know that that's a main pain point with like mobile first or whatever that is and in the country that it's being viewed in. So those are almost just two or three things. If we knew that and our customers understood that about their personas, we could produce better work for them. But the other list of things should just be standard in every single website that we do, especially unsubscribe. <laughs> It, it feels like the majority of websites that I go look at doesn't, I can't see any accessibility functions. Maybe that's because they have so well built and they're not visible, but I suspect that 
they're just not there. So I would like to move on to talk about the future of accessibility, but I feel that you know, we're not even at a point that most companies and websites consider it right now. But we have had a year uh, with massive advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning and that type of thing. So Mark, I suppose from a development point of view, how has these new technologies begun to influence website accessibility? So one of the tricky things about web accessibility is how do you evaluate whether a website is actually accessible or not? And it is a difficult thing. Like we've alluded to already, there's, you know, there's checklists, there's guidelines and all sorts of things. And often because it's so difficult to retroactively change a website, where AI has come in handy is is looking at how can the AI analyze the structure of a page and correlate that to what would make sense for a variety of disabilities. So already there are a couple of tools out there where you you install a piece of code onto your site and it provides facility to analyze how accessible the page is and then make recommendations for maybe increasing text size or changing the contrast of colors so that it is a lot more accessible for general users. So that's a major part that has already come into play where AI is specifically being used to improve that for websites. But, you know, who knows where that might go to? If we consider that the main technology for, let's say, visual impaired users is screen readers and the ability for a screen reader to go through the website and rely on the structure of the website to relay the content. Where I see that going is a point where the AI would rather be able to interpret the content of the page for what it is in the same way as Google might assess the relevance of the content on the page, AI might look at that similarly and summarize the content for the user. So instead of reading through every single navigation item, for instance, out loud, it might know the user a bit better and highlight certain aspects of a page that might be more applicable or less applicable to that user. And uh, Craig, yourself, anything that you would say around kind of, maybe not AI in particular, but any other kind of technology advances and how web accessibility might look like in the future. Yeah, I have a slightly different view to to Mark on this, whereas... Excellent. Um, then you guys can have a fight. <laughs> I've obviously, just as, as part of my career growth and role, kept a very, very close eye on Google over the years. And it would not surprise me if most of the implementation or rollout of accessibility is actually controlled by the likes of search engines in Google. If we look at mobile, page speed, content, all of these things are geared towards user experiences that were not taken seriously many years back. And all that Google did is enforce pretty hefty ranking implications by not complying to those. And I can see probably with the use of AI, because they have AI tools built into all of their spiders and servers, is to be able to analyze websites in terms of accessibility, rank those, and then rank in a, in that impact ultimately your, your rankings in, in total, in combination with site speed, mobile, all of that. But I suppose that takes me back to the point of what is the accessibility percentage and standard that we are striving for? 
And until we have that standard, or at least benchmark that we are working against in terms of percentages, it's quite hard to quantify what, what good accessibility is and what is required to be above average and what are the implications of being below average. So I very much see the future of accessibility being controlled by search engines like many of the tech has up until this point. I remember okay. there, many, many years ago, many years ago, we built a site that was actually a game uh, and a data capturing game. Um, oh. I, I mean, this, yeah, this was literally, I'm trying to think, I'd say 18 years ago. And it was, it took five and a half minutes for the home page to load to make sure that everything was there, right? So to your point on rules that we just didn't understand. We were so like into, well, the experience is so cool and people waited for it because there was an amazing prize at the end of it. But that's what, just what people were used to. What we need to understand now is what people are used to. And we all use the web. We all know how frustrating certain sites are on that. But when we're building our own sites, why do we make those same mistakes? And yes, we're talking about accessibility, which has some, which has rules around it, is going to be governed more. And it's the World Wide Web for a reason. It should be worldwide usage on all of that. But gone are the days of being able to wait five minutes to load. So we are so instantaneous inside the space as well. And that goes for anyone with any disability. You just want the information. It's the same as being spammed with stuff. You know how frustrating that is. So like on sites and things and going down that rabbit hole, you really want to, like we do with our, custom, with our customers building sites for them, is that their user can find the information and navigate the sites correctly in jumping through as least hoops as possible, one click to click rule, whatever that is. The same goes for anyone else that's using any of those platform platforms. And that's the instantaneousness that, that we need to build in, even if it is, can I read this headline on this kind of device? Can I do this? So it really, we're just in that world where we have to change. And I think the change is going to be quite rapid and will change like, again, as it progresses, I think there's going to be lots of very, very quick change that can be implemented at a very quick at speed. Awesome. Thanks, Malcolm. All right. So let's kind of wrap up then for today with one final question that I'd like, love to get a, a word from each of you, starting uh, with you, Mark, is in terms of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with today around web accessibility, if you had to give one piece of advice, what would that be? I'd say do it now. Don't wait until it's too late. Consider it from the start. Speak to your agency. Make sure that they're considering accessibility from the start. Consider it throughout your whole user journey, your design, your content, your website structure, and don't leave it as an afterthought. Yeah, it's uh, great that you uh, followed the brief there and gave us one piece of advice. Um, uh, I think that must have been about eight. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, Craig, what would your advice? Is to allocate someone internally to own this. When it comes to accessibility, the only way it's going to be rolled out is if someone owns the, the output of it and is accountable for the outcome. So if you can allocate someone like a data privacy officer to own the implementation of that, it'll go a long way. And if you don't have a data privacy officer, I suppose that's when you need to be working with a partner, right? Exactly. 
Uh, Malcolm, are you going to wrap and up? Also, similar to what Mark was saying, but in a different way, I suppose, is just be at the forefront of that from a business standpoint where you can be proud that the work that you're creating is accessible to anyone that wants to view it. So just like you, you know, running programs inside your business, et cetera, for the happiness of your associates and things like that, it's the same thing that needs to come through from an emotional point of view in the work that you're doing. And that's where the hard conversations don't happen when you're trying to change colors of a brand that's been around for 20 years or whatever. It's just really bringing the heart into understanding that people want to access what you've got, no matter who they are, where they are, and making that possible. And they should actually be given like trophies and things. There should be an award for how accessible your business is and just being able to make that accessible to others. Good advice. I think uh, from my point of view, I'll give a piece of advice as well. Very practical in um, you need to check when you are briefing a website, when you're getting proposals for a website, if it includes website accessibility, because I think you need to be comparing apples with apples. As uh, Malcolm was saying earlier, a lot of our, the websites we do have it built in natively, but we are competing against others that don't do that. And uh, you've, uh, as Mark was saying, just what was the, what did you say the 1999 Olympics? It cost $10,000 to build in website accessibility. Uh, yeah, that's uh, 20 years almost ago, um, 15 years ago. So. Uh, you, know, you really do need to be able to compare apples with apples. So guys, thank you very much for joining today out of your busy, busy schedules. It's been a pleasure having you on uh, Digital Surfing. Please, the three of you, plus any of your fans and family and friends, please do share on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on X, wherever you want to be sharing. And let's get the word out there all about website accessibility.